got so little time But I feel like you knew me I keep my mouth shut but Think they'll see right through me As it's all been one big loss Hell, it's all because of us If only they knew me The way that you knew me Well, it all has been left up Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dog's Best Friend. I am your host, Beach. I hope everyone has been well and had a lovely week with their dogs. Um, just a couple of things that I wanted to discuss this week. Uh, it's not going to be a very heavy episode, which is pretty good. Uh, nice and easy and... Oh, sorry, I think I've woken up Stixie. He's decided to move. He was snoring right behind me. And now he's decided, Dad, you're too loud. I'm going into my bed. Which is good boy. That's that's okay. Um, so yeah, this week I want to talk about. I've had a couple of people ask me about how they can take their dogs on a walk and um, not get their dog to pull so much on the lead. Like so, they'll be walking past um, other dogs and people, and the dogs just you know, I'm talking about people with pretty big dogs decide, hey, I'm going to go this side of the road and greet this dog, and they just pull them out into the middle of the traffic. Now, that's not safe. One, oh, are you all right, mate? Poor Stixie just knocked his head on the window. Um, so if you've got one of those bigger dogs and you're, you're struggling to take them for a walk, there's quite a few things that we can do and put in place to to help you and help them walk calmly because the last thing we want to do is have them pulling on the lead so they're choking on their collar or something like that. Uh, you want them to be nice and happy and calm and relaxed while they walk because... There's nothing worse than walking past someone with their dog and your dog sort of looks at them and wants to get towards them and then when you hold them back, it it just looks like it's not a fun thing. I've, I've had it happen with me numerous times because uh, Styx was a big, big lead puller and he had to get to every person and dog and cat and bird and everything and just say hi to it. And then when he couldn't, he would get some lead frustration. So he'd do that big, deep woof. And of course, like coming from a giant black dog, it can look very intimidating. And I've had quite a few people cross the street on me or, you know, take their dog and walk the other way. And every now and then I feel like just yelling out, oh, it's okay, he's friendly, but I don't want to be that guy either. Um, because let's be honest, a lot of the time when they yell that out, it's really not the case. They're just, I don't know, making excuses or whatever. But so we need to teach our dogs to walk nice and calm and relax on a lead so you can walk past certain things like that whether it be a dog or just pulling on the collar trying to get out in front so i asked you guys this question uh and you know if you're listening to this by yourself feel free to answer as honestly as possible who out there's dog has had practice that pulling on the lead gets their dog exactly to where they want to go just wait for a show of hands Every single one of you, all of your dogs have had practice at it. I know this because my dog's had practice at it. You know, he'll pull on the lead, you give up, it's like, fine, go over there. Bang. He knows that pulling on that lead works. It gets him to exactly where he wants to go. So the big thing is, like, why do they pull on the lead? Why do they Why do they wrench that lead and try to get somewhere? Because they know it works. It gets them to where they want to go, whether it be a smell, another dog, a person, anything like that. 
They just want to get up to that dog, distraction, anything, and go, hey, hey, I'm going to interact with you. Now, it could be a nice interaction. It doesn't matter, but they're still pulling to get to where they want to go. You hand that dog off to you know, a child, someone who's not quite as strong as you are at handling the dog, and that's not going to end pretty because they're just going to pull them over, run away, and next thing you know, you're spending the next you know two days or whatever looking for your dog. Maybe not two days, but it has happened. So, like I said, we need to now teach our dogs pulling on the lead no longer works. So, you've all taught your dogs your reward marker. Uh, we're using it everywhere we are, I'm hoping. So, you know, your dog's doing the right thing by doing not much at all, and you just give it a bit of a tick, and then give it a treat. There we go. There we go. So, first rule now of walking our dogs on lead is the dog no longer gets to pull us where it wants to go. So, rule number one, if the dog pulls, we stop moving. So, that doesn't just mean stop dead still. That means stop dead still, don't look at the dog, don't talk to the dog, everything. They pull in the lead, you cease to exist. So there's a couple of different ways we can do this. We can do it with some food if you want to or and use some treat-based method or you can do it just you know by stopping and starting or you can put both of them together. Um, I had to do the stop-start method with my dog because at this stage I had got his food drive up pretty high and it was actually working against me so I'd reward him and he'd just stare at me and stare at me and stare at me until he walked headfirst into a brick letterbox I'm like hmm probably not the best thing for him to be doing because you know 42 kilos of dog walking pretty fast bang into a letterbox yeah don't really want him to be that guy that gets brain damage from a letterbox so we're walking our dogs out on the street Look at the distractions that they've got and where we're walking. People, that sort of thing. So we want to keep them nice and calm and relaxed around these environments. So like I mentioned the reward marker again because what I want you guys to do, if your dogs are pulling towards, say, people or other dogs and things like that, we need to start showing them that it's okay to look at these things and you don't necessarily have to interact with every single thing. So as soon as you see a person or a dog in the street as you're walking... And you can, if you think your dog's about to pull on the lead and you get yourself prepared for it, they probably are about to pull. So, you know, if you've got a bigger dog, bend your knees and brace for the pull because they can be just like very intense at their pulling. And then just give them their reward marker before they do anything. Lure them back towards you with that food and then just give them the treat. And you can even stand in front of them and block them from the distraction. And then as the distraction gets past them, just high rates of pace. So just tick, feed, tick, feed, tick, feed as they go past. And that way your dog, as soon as that distraction's gone, hasn't pulled on the lead, it hasn't learnt any bad behaviours. All it's learnt is, hey, when this person comes past, I get lots of yummy goodies raining from the sky. And that's what we really want. Now, you don't have to do this for the entirety of your dog's life. It's just while we're learning how to walk safely on a lead, you can eventually fade it out to good boy good girl well done nice dog just verbal praises from there but 
So they're not going towards a distraction as that. They're going maybe towards a sniff or something you know, smells or looks like it's going to be tasty on the ground or I just want to sniff this area. A lot of the times I find uh, it is for sniffing, uh, especially you know if you at the moment it's really, really terrible weather around here and the ground's getting nice and wet and all those good smells that have soaked in there are starting to rise to the surface. So even sticks now is just stopping and wanting to sniff everything. So you brace yourself and you, as soon as he pulls on the lead, just shut down. Sometimes I have to then get the food right on his nose and bring him out of that smell, depending on how good it is, and just lure him away from it. And then in that scenario, I practice my come when called. And then I get him to come back to me. So at least I'm not just teaching him that you sniff and then you get food. You sniff, you get food. It's sniff, okay, you've got to do something for me, which is you come when called, and then he gets the food. So the thing is, they're pulling to get to somewhere they want to go. So if they pull on the lead, what I want you guys to do is stop, get their attention, walk in the opposite direction to where they pulled. So you're going that way, they pull, you stop. All right, come on, let's go. We'll go the other way now. So they've learned then if they pull, they lose what they want. Now, I'm not saying you have to just keep going back the other direction completely. Just walk a little bit down and then turn around and come back. Then invite them to smell or sniff or do whatever they were going to do. So then learning that if they voluntarily don't pull, they can still get to interact with these things. So And it won't happen overnight. I've had some people that have had to do this for weeks and weeks on end before their dog walked nicely on a lead. They did it and now their dog walks beautifully on a lead. It's amazing the progress they made just by keeping their dog happy and relaxed and not letting that dog pull them where they want to go. Um, so what you can also do is, as you start off your walk, if you want to use some treats, so you start walking, you reward mark your dog, so you take your step, the dog steps with you, tick, take a couple of steps, then go for some food, so you don't have it present, don't hang it over their head, because I guarantee they'll do whatever the hell you want to do, they want to do for food. You know, let's hold it out in front of them, they'll say, yeah, okay, I'll do whatever. So you know, keep it hidden, give them the reward marker, take a few steps, then feed them while they're walking. So we're not going to encourage them to stop and eat. We want them to keep in motion. So when doing it, use something nice and soft, like maybe those boiled carrots or the um, ham that we mentioned, uh, I think in episode one. And that way, uh, they don't have to stop. They can chew while moving on. So um, we'll just start really, really small at the moment. So doing those little steps. Now you might find you need to mix them together. So dog pulls, you stop, you turn the other direction, and you walk on. Dog pulls, you stop, turn the other direction, and you walk on. Now, I can hear you all going, how the hell am I going to take my dog for a walk now? <laughs> You're probably going to have to do the same thing I did, and uh, maybe not just take your dog for a walk to shit. What I had to do was back and forth in my front yard. I'd just walk, the dog would pull, I'd stop. And it took me a while to get past the front yard but now I can take my dog for a nice loose lead walk and he doesn't pull so you know practice it in the backyard first nice and easy where there's pretty much no distractions do it up and down your hallway then move to the front door then move to going outside because you want to keep those levels of excitement really low at the moment and just by teaching them okay pull go back pull go back cool pull go back so if you think hey I can handle 10 minutes of this Maybe just do five because uh, you don't want to get out there 
go for a walk, practice all this and do really well. And then 10, 15 minutes into your walk, be like, oh my gosh, now I've had enough. And then let the dog pull you all the way home because that whole 10, 15 minutes you've done, it's just gone out the window and everything you've taught your dog about pulling on the lead now doesn't matter because your dog's just learned that pulling on the lead gets me everything I want to do. So um, it is one of life's benefits for a dog going out for a walk, interacting with the world. So make it a bit fun for them. Um, And if you do have that highly distracted dog, what I want you guys to do is go for a bit of a stroll and then get to a street corner or whatever and just stop and reward mark your dog for doing nothing. So I think I mentioned it last week, we, we are down at Sit Happens, we call this the cafe-style training. So just do some cafe-style training out in the middle of the street. Like, stand there, dog's doing nothing, reward mark, feed, reward, just for a minute. Not even not even a minute, 30 seconds. Then walk on. Dog starts to get a little bit distracted again. There's a few more pullings here and there that you don't really want to deal with. So you've stopped, you've started, you've gone the other direction, you've come back, you've gone forward, you've gone back, you've gone forward. They're still pulling, so stop. Do some cafe-style training. Get them focused. The other thing you can teach them is eye contact with you because eye contact with your dog, it's like um, you as a human taking a nice deep breath to relax. So (sighs) taking 10 deep breaths will get you a bit more relaxed in a stressful environment. If a dog's out in the street is doing that, eye contact with the dog will help it. So using your food lure, so the food, stick the food on the dog's nose, lure it up to your eyes. As soon as the dog makes eye contact with you, reward mark them. So eye contact, tick, and then feed them. Once they follow that a few times, you can add in the word for that. So whether it be look, focus, eyes, anything like that. Mine's just look, and I do two fingers. I point at my eye. Hey, I'm watching you. So I just say look, and then I reward mark and feed. So you can just stand there. If your dog's pulling a lot, ask them to sit and then do maybe 10 repetitions of that look. Then they're focused on you. Then you can walk on. Now, I don't care if you guys are going, oh, people are going to think I look stupid in the street. They may very well think you look silly. But in three, four months' time, when you've got the most well-behaved, focused-on-you puppy that is just, you know, wanting to throw performance at you, whether it be that performance be walking or just doing absolutely nothing nice and calmly, and they're chasing their dog around the dog park trying to get it to come back, and yours is right there or coming when called from a pack of 16 dogs, which I've had my dog do, you won't feel so stupid anymore. You'll be like, oh, well, I'm glad I put in that effort because now I've got this really amazing dog who walks loosely on a lead and comes when called because you've done all those little things. So I've just sort of dusted over that loosely walking. There's There can be some other things that hinder it here and there. So if you've got any questions on that, sing out, let me know. Um, and if you've tried it and it for some reason it hasn't worked, uh, contact me and we'll, we'll look into it a bit deeper and see what else is uh, happening there, whether it be um, another reason that it might, might be distri- higher distractions or, you know, you might subconsciously be doing something a bit different so um yeah have a have a look have a think see what's working for you and let me know how you guys go if you're trying any of these methods um yeah hit me up let me know i'm interested and i am keen as mustard to help with your dogs so the other thing i wanted to touch base on was a bit of sort of uh last week's question about um our dog of the week from last week max and the rest of the question was posed of 
how do I put in place a boundary? So almost like an invisible force field as such. Uh, how do I do that positively? It is possible. So what you got to think about is, okay, so you don't want your dog to escape the yard. Yep, cool. I understand that. What do you want your dog to do instead? So be happy and calm in the yard. Yes, but you don't want it to cross certain boundaries. So you would like it to sit and wait to be invited across these boundaries. So the I found this is the best way to do it, and I'll put up a video of me doing it with sticks because uh, there is a couple more boundaries that I want to do. Um, first of all, think of uh, a cue you want to use for crossing, crossing the threshold of that invisible boundary, whether it be through inside mine's inside and mine's inside for everything so even if i'm taking him outside into a boundary i inside there you go <laughs> so what you want to do is you get towards your boundary so wherever you want it walk up there ask your dog to sit reward mark them and then before they move on through there tell them through and follow through so repetitiveness, repetitiveness, repetitiveness at the same boundary. So walking up to the boundary, ask your dog for a sit, reward mark, walk through, through. Walk up to the boundary again, ask your dog to sit, <laughs> so on and so forth. Till eventually you then start walking to the boundary, go a little bit slower. Your dog will offer you the sit. You reward mark them for that. You walk through the boundary yourself and then you ask them to come through. And then they come through, you reward mark them for coming through. You don't always have to reward mark them for coming through. I like to throw it in there every now and then just because I'm pretty loose with my reward marking. I throw it out everywhere just because I like my dog to feel good. But going through that boundary is in itself um, a reward because they're getting to where they want to go. So by doing this, say, in the front yard or something with Max, so you don't want him to maybe leave a certain section of that yard. So over the next couple of weeks, you practice that on lead, of course, so it's nice and safe, until the day when you walk out there, he offers you the sit. Then you ask him to come through, so on and so forth. So what that's going to happen is if Max then ever gets outside, it's a much higher chance than that him just going up to the boundary and stopping and sitting and waiting to be asked through. And what you can do there is you can then do your recall, ask him to come back, clip a lead on, go back to the boundary, he'll do a sit, ask him to go through or inside or whatever we decide to use for that word, cross the boundary, let him know he's a good boy, and then take him back. So nothing has been negative about it. So he's, even if he's gotten out and he's done all this stuff, everything's still positive. So he's going to be much more inclined to be like, hey, whatever I do here, I'm not going to get chased down the street. I'm not going to get yelled at. All I'm going to get is told to come back and here have some treats. So I think that's an amazing way of doing it. And look, I've seen it work. Um, if for some reason it doesn't work for your dog, let me know and we'll go through it. I'll post some videos of me working on sticks with it. And it was really hard to teach it to sticks because he is very highly distracted. Uh, but, you know, you work hard on it and you spend the time and you get there and you do it all positive. And if you start to feel like you're getting frustrated or whatever, that's enough for the day. I don't want you to do any more. If you're starting to get frustrated... I don't want you to do it anymore because we're teaching our dogs everything using positive reinforcement. So I want you guys to stay positive in yourself. So, And I understand that life's hard and some days you don't feel like it and you just can't be bothered. 
don't train your dog on that day. There's no point because they're going to do something that you feel is wrong, not necessarily wrong in itself, but you're going to find it wrong and it's going to frustrate you and it's just not going to be helpful. So some days you just need to throw, you know, put your dog in the crate or put your dog in the backyard, sit down on the couch and, you know, pop a beer and just chill. There's nothing wrong with that. It's so much better than, you know, having to <laughs> having to lose it at your dog because, you know, they're not listening to you, not paying attention when all they want to do is throw love at you and, you know, it happens. So hopefully that helps um a little bit more with your stuff um Nina and Andy. So fingers crossed. Let me know how you go. Try it out. Um anyone else listening, you know, what what do you guys like to use for your crossing the threshold i would love to hear different words and different things i also want to hear from you guys let me know what reward markers you've picked so i can help people out if they have getting stuck and you know trying to find something different something new um i'd love to hear about it and um you know if you feel like it post some videos send me some videos of you doing the boundary training you doing the loosely walking training um just so i know that it's working and everyone's having some fun so yep any questions as per usual please feel free to email me through at dogsbestfriendpod at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at dogsbfpod. All right, guys, that's all the uh, training stuff out of the way. Time for my favorite segment of this show, Dog of the Week. Now, this week, we have a a very special Dog of the Week. Um, I personally know this dog. Uh, And he is absolutely amazing. Uh, My friend, Brooke, um, anyone who knows me may have heard me mention her in the past. She is an amazing veterinary nurse. And um, she has helped me out a lot with um, with sticks and uh, also Aria in the past. She was one of the first people who could actually handle Aria out in public. Um, because those of you who know, she was very um, nervous, reactive, and uh, it wasn't a pretty sight. And she, you know, Brooke's dog, Winston, who is our dog of the week, also has a, um, he's a very special needs dog. And she is an amazing person at helping Winston through his, um, well, he's currently suffering with some illnesses at the moment, and he is, as she has said, going through it with a waggy bum and just dealing with life as it comes and being a absolutely amazing dog. Uh, he's an American Staffy cross. Now, I love this. He's a possible stag or wolfhound. Terribly adorable mutt. He is. He, um, he's got a natural mohawk. I love this about Winston. He's so like soft fur on underneath and the sides and everything, but he's got this really wiry mohawk and he just looks absolutely adorable. Some days he looks very brindle. Other days he looks brown. It's just like, I love him. Some days he just looks black. It's, it's just a fantastic dog. Uh, she absolutely loves how he snuggles into her shoulder uh, and they just sort of rub heads together and get get in there nice. And when he's sleeping, he has these dreams and his face just twitches and he's all like, oh, I'm happy. And he gets super excited when he sees the sand or the sea. And he loves to have a bit of a play bow before uh, you come up to get him and he just sprints off. And one of her favorite things is when he drags his belly across clean sheets and blankets because it feels so good. 
Um, and he is just an amazing, happy dog. Um, Sticks and him don't really see eye to eye because Sticks is very a uh, little too over the top and very puppy like still, whereas Winston's a little bit older now. The special thing I love most about Winston is um, with my special girl, Aria, she was very terrified of everything in life and couldn't get near other dogs and things like that. And Winston was pretty much the one dog that she could play with and it was amazing to see them play together because they both had that almost mutual respect of leave me alone um, at the time and it just it melted my heart to see you know them both very happy in the same room and just interacting and look he's a top dude and I love him so much and the day when um, Brooke did told me that he wasn't well I like I, I shut down I was in tears I was like oh my god not Winnie he's my boy um, but yeah he's getting there he's doing a lot better and um he does have some, like I said earlier, his very special needs. He's got some uh, very, very special needs, mental health issues, um, which coincide with Brooks as well. And she's happy for me to say this. Uh, and they work together, and they are such an amazing team. Uh, I've seen them in action. You know, when she gets down in the dumps, he brings her back up, and you know, vice versa. When he's down in the dumps, she brings him back up. They seriously get along so well, and just absolutely amazing. Um, beautiful, beautiful dogs together. And, uh, dog, sorry, Brooke, you're not a dog. Beautiful, beautiful human and dog companion. I'm getting a little bit emotional because I am talking about the one and only fuzz man, Winston. Um, and yeah, so she's also sent a few photos and a little video through that I'm going to post with it as well because he is such an amazing dog. Uh, and yeah, Winston is my favorite. So guys, there's our dog of the week. Young Winston the Fuzz Man. Beautiful, beautiful, purebred mutt. I hope you all agree with me when I post these pictures. Um, okay, <laughs> getting a little bit too emotional there. So, like I said, send those questions through to the places where you can contact me or you can uh, hit me up personally at the BG Boy. Uh, and yeah, shoot us through anything that you guys want to know, want to work with, or just want to talk about. Uh, if you want to nominate your dog for Dog of the Week, send me some photos and a little uh, thing of what you love about your dog the most and we'll get your dog in Dog of the Week one way or another. So guys, get out there, have an absolute blast with your weeks, take or with your dog, sorry, take them for a hike this week, take them for a walk, take them for a run, cuddle them, hold them tight, and let them know you love them. I have been Beach Guys. Have a fabulous week. Hard World Order.